This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the Wharton School in San Francisco, this is Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Rob Conipier. Hello and welcome to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host this week, Rob Conybeer, and today I'm broadcasting live from Huntsman Hall in Philadelphia. I'm a founder and managing director at Shasta Ventures, a leading venture capital firm based out in the Silicon Valley Bay Area, where we focus on investing in early stage companies. We're live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And if you have any comments or questions during today's show, give me a call. The lines are open here at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. We have a great lineup tonight. But first, I'm thrilled to welcome to the show my guest, John Carter. He's the CEO of Snap Kitchen. John, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you. Honored to be here. So, John, could you share what Snap Kitchen is, the elevator pitch? Sure. So Snap is a fresh prepared food concept, and our mission is to make healthy eating effortless. We have a number of retail locations along with a uh, an app and uh, snapkitchen.com. So you can pretty much order how you want to from us, uh, but the concept is really about making healthy eating effortless. So, so what are some of these foods? Are we talking about kale? Or are we talking about things that are a lot more fun to eat and don't get stuck in your teeth? Well, kale happens to be an ingredient in some of the things we make, but it's certainly not the the focus. Um, We make a range of of various food products, uh, and we support what I like to call uh, different foodie tribes or lifestyles. So think, uh, you know, people who want to eat keto or Whole30, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, we've got you covered. Um, and, you know, we wrap about 140 different fresh-prepared meals uh, and snacks uh, that we make across those those various lifestyles. And is it mostly prepared and ready to eat, or is there cooking required? No, so there's no cooking required, so it's just heat and eat. Um, and with our compostable packaging, you can either heat it in your microwave or you can heat it in your oven. It's your choice. Um, and some of the things you can eat cold. We have salads and uh, other snacks that you can you can just eat um, uh, cold right out of the refrigerator. Well, you have a lot of locations in Texas, and I can hear from your voice that it sounds like you're from Texas as well. Do you have a chili? <laughs> is there a vegetarian healthy chili, or is that a place where you go off the reservation? Uh, we do have a uh, we have a healthy chili. It's our turkey chili. It's one of our top sellers, actually, um, and one of my favorites. And we also uh, had uh, a while back, we had a vegan chili, which we actually intend to bring back um, in, a, in a couple of months here. But um, those have been the, the, the only two chilies that we've played with. Um, and for the record, I'm from L.A., but I, I think I've caught a little bit of a, a southern drawl here in Texas while I've been here. So where are your biggest markets today? Are they in Texas? Yeah, so well, the company was founded in Austin, uh, so we have locations in Austin, Houston, and Dallas, uh, and we have uh, Outpost in, in Philly, where we have uh, currently uh, seven locations. So how do you pick Philadelphia? So an interesting story there. We uh, you know, wanted to get into the East Coast, um, and we picked Philadelphia because it's sort of right down the fairway in terms of terms of who we understand our customer to be, um, you know, busy, typically thing, uh, single, 
uh, millennials um, who value their 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 health. Um, and it just seemed like a really great market that matched our concept that wasn't quite as uh, expensive and uh, as ambitious as getting into, say, a New York straight away. So it was a nice entry-level market for us to, to, to get into the East Coast. So for somebody that wants to order from you, what do they come in and choose? So they come into your site, um, uh, they Google Snap Kitchen, or they go to Snap Kitchen. What's that experience like? Yeah, so it's interesting because we get a ton of, uh, you know, organic traffic through snapkitchen.com, which is from people searching for, you know, keto meal plans or paleo food or, you know, um, Whole30 diet. Um, These are all nice uh, on-ramps to the Snap concept because we solve a real problem for people looking to eat that way. So snapkitchen.com, that's how they find us. Um, you can also download our app in the App Store. Um, we have about 5,000, you know, reviews at this point of people who like to shop us that way. Uh, and then, obviously, there's our store locations where people can, can find us. Um, and we tend to, t- tend to like to be in the, um, you know, urban core, um, so downtown locations and all the markets that we're in. But we've also got stores out in the suburbs as well. Oh, so how many, how many doors do you have now? We have 35. Okay. And what does it take to open up a new door for you? In terms of uh, a new store. Or... Yeah, a new store. What's yeah. involved? Yeah, so, you know, it's a, it's your typical, you know, retail um, strategy and build. You know, we look for, we tend to look for locations that um, really kind of map to what our core customer, who our core customer is. Um, what's unique about our concept is that we make all of our food in a central commissary kitchen. Um, so none of our doors have an actual kitchen in them except our flagship where we have our test kitchen um, and where we develop new items, uh, which is our triangle location in Austin. But for the most part, it's, you know, 900 to a you know 1,000 square feet location um, where, you know, we've got all of our prepared meals and we ship to those locations every day. Um, and we cook every day from our from our commissary kitchens. And we then do people to- pick them up from those from those kitchens? Right. Okay. Gotcha. Right, exactly. So exactly. when you moved to Philadelphia, it's a pretty big deal because it sounds like you had to open a new commissary. That's right. That's right. And so that's always the biggest part of entering a new market is, you know, getting the commissary up and running. Um, but we've become really good at running those kitchens at scale. Um, so it makes us a lot more confident um, to kind of look at new markets when we go in. Uh, but again, in terms of the retail strategy, it's small footprint, small box stores um, that really are uh, in the in the sweet spot in terms of who our customers. And is it 100% retail, or is it people that have it delivered as well? So what's interesting about that is the company was actually founded as a brick and mortar concept in 2010. We launched our digital offering in 2017, uh, and our business today is about 60% uh, digital, which means the order originated on app or web. Uh, and it's about half and half in terms of ordering ahead to pick it up and getting it delivered directly to the home. Okay. So it sounds like you've been around for a while, so you must have found it interesting to see a lot of these other meal kit and food delivery services come and go. Yes. Um, in fact, when we initially started down the path of you know, transforming the model from brick and mortar to omni-channel. You know, this was in, call it 2015, 2016, when the initial conversation started 
with the board when I initially came uh, to partner with the Snap team. Um, and that was a time around where, you know, Uber Eats uh, and, uh, you know, Amazon restaurants and some of these other concepts um, with food delivery were, were really new um, or in the very early stages of, of planning to go to market. Um, and we were early in terms of thinking about how that model would affect us. Uh, and in the process, we've totally transformed our, our business into what it is today over the course of those few years. So if you're just tuning in, I'm Rob Conyvere, and you're listening to Launchpad on Sirius XM 132, broadcasting live from Huntsman Hall in Philadelphia. And I'm joined right now by John Carter, the CEO of Snap Kitchen. So what do you think about the wave that is coming along with delivery-only establishments, so-called dark kitchens and ghost restaurants? I think it is definitely uh, a, a trend that will, will stick with us. I think when you, when you really look at the transition um, that food and grocery has gone through over the last couple of years, it's really clear that, you know, whether you're talking about the meal kit concepts or you're talking about, you know, last mile delivery or direct-to-consumer um, concepts like SNAP, it really is about giving consumers their time back um, at the end of the day. And I don't, I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. People are increasingly busier in their lives, and people want simple uh, solutions that make it efficient for them to navigate their day. And so I think that's the, the, the sort of underlying uh, reason why these concepts are starting to catch um, traction, and I think what um, what we do that's unique on top of all of that is we help you uh, from a from a you know health um, and nutrition point of view navigate the food landscape um, so that you can dial in and optimize your diet to meet your your health goals or your health ambitions. And so I think that that's what makes us unique. Yeah. Spe- speaking of those, what's the most popular the most popular diets have that people have today? So I would say it's um, for us in January right now, Whole30 is, is a big deal. Um, we see a lot of activity around that. Um, the other one is keto. Um, keto has is, is, is definitely um, become very popular in the, in the last couple quarters. Um, but when you look across all the various lifestyles we support, um, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, um, or even high-protein and low-carb to really keep it simple – we really do see people dabbling in all of these different lifestyles um, as opposed to just sticking in one lane, which was kind of surprising to us. Um, but it really shows that people are sort of trying these lifestyles on to really dial in what's right for them. Um, and and that may, that's fun for us because we, we, we you know, consider ourselves a really good partner in that respect, that we allow you to dabble and try and figure out which one is, is the right one for you. Do, do you have a diet that you pursue? Yeah, so I tend to keep it simple. Um, so I'm, I'm on what we call our balance plan, which is really just, you know, balance of, you know, good, uh, healthy foods that, you know, give me a nice um, range of proteins to veggies. And I like to try and dial down the, the red meat to my diet. Um, and SNAP helps me to introduce um, more plant-based options into my diet over time. And it's really helped me to, to kind of meet my target of, you know, lowering my ecological footprint on the one hand, but also, you know, having uh, a reasonable amount of balance when it comes to red meats. Yeah, one of the things I've found, I've changed my diet a lot recently, and I'm eating a lot more plants. And the biggest thing that surprised me about this diet is it takes a long time to eat salads. Have you noticed that? (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, it does. And I think that's part of the magic of a plant-based diet is, is it takes you a long time to eat and it fills your stomach up. So you just tend to eat less. And so as a result, uh, you, you get healthier and you lose weight. Well, I also find when you're on the go, eating a salad can be challenging because you get it in a to-go package, but it hasn't been cut up into little pieces. So it's hard to pick it up with a fork. Do you do anything in your meal design just to make them easier to eat? Or is that something that you leave to nursing homes? <laughs> no, that's actually interesting you say that. One of the, one of the themes of our product innovation uh, pipeline is really what we call, you know, things that people are ready to eat, you know, so you literally get it off the shelf. Like we have a breakfast sandwich is, a, is one of the examples, our egg bites. Um, and we're increasingly moving towards, you know, r- really convenient um, uh, food products um, that don't require forks, knives or anything else. And you can just get right to it. So that's, that's part of our innovation pipeline is really trying to design foods for that purpose. And when you look at your products, what's the most popular food? So our most popular dish by far is one of the first things we've ever made going back to 2010. It's called our bison quinoa hash. Um, And it may sound uh, exotic and crazy, but it is really a comfort food at the end of the day. Um, And it's just delicious. Um, It's, you know, it's got lots of peppers in there and the quinoa and the bison um, and the closest thing I could compare it to is, is sort of like uh, something between a, a, you know, a chili and, say, a taco bowl. It sounds like one of those things when you try it, you're kind of happy you tried it, but you might have been a little afraid up front. Exactly. Exactly. It, is it free-range bison? Yes. So we source a very rare bison, actually, um, that, you know, bison is a rare product in general. Um, it's sick. Typically, um, you know, 80-20 in terms of fat content, and we've actually got 90-10. Um, so it's a really high-grade uh, bison, uh, and again, it's just bursting with flavor. It's one of my favorite things. I, I have it, you know, at least once a week. So these are clearly bison that have been running around and not stuck indoors all day. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So you used to be the chief technology officer. Could you talk a little bit about your progression with the company? How long you've been with the company? Were you one of the founders? What's your history here? Yeah, so I was not one of the founders, uh, but uh, the company was founded by Martin Burst and Brad Radoff in 2010. I got involved in the company in 2015, so I've been here for about three years, a little over three years now. Um, and you know, I originally came in uh, to help the company navigate this, you know, digital uh, transition that was taking place in the food space. Uh, and over time, you know, as the business has evolved, uh, taking on increasing responsibility uh, for SNAP and really thinking about the overall uh, proposition of SNAP and what I call the different vectors of customer experience, which is menu, store, app, web, content. How did they persuade you to come out from Los Angeles? I was actually working on a, on a, on a startup concept of my own that was essentially about curating lifestyle solutions, health and wellness lifestyle solutions for people locally. Um, and uh, the founders uh, got a hold of um, my pitch deck at the time 
um, and thought that conceptually what I was trying to do um, was very much aligned with the vision for SNAP. Um, and the SNAP team founders, uh, they weren't technologists uh, and they weren't you know, e-commerce or digital guys uh, and thought it made sense for us to partner up. And, and that was really the genesis for me getting involved with SNAP. How'd that conversation go? Did they look at it and say, boy, we, we like a lot of what you're doing, but we have an even better idea for you? No, it really wasn't. It was more or less, there's something happening here. It at least was the thought process, I think, from the, from the founder's point of view. As it relates to delivery uh, and apps and technology, we're not exactly sure what that looks like for our brand, um, but we know that there's something there. And at the time, they were going to evaluate. They were going to um, acquire a company, uh, which was uh, called Scheffler out of San Francisco, that you may or may not be aware of. Um, and that was that was where it started. Was you know helping them navigate whether or not that acquisition made sense. And then it evolved into getting some perspective together about what we thought the future of Snap looked like as it related to technology. Now it took us some time to get the board comfortable with the investments that that would require. Um, and I think that was the toughest part uh, in terms of the, the dollars that would go into that. But I think, you know, we took some initial steps early on to get a good read on where the market was. And it became apparent to all of us that, you know, this was truly where the future and the growth of the company would come from. So it was about three years ago you moved from L.A. out to Texas? That's right. And what's that shift been like? It's been great. I mean, I'm going to have to say that Austin uh, is is truly becoming a, a tech hub in its own right. Um, and I think from just as a, you know, a, um, uh, entrepreneur, I think Austin is a great place to be um, because there's just so much happening here, um, whether it's tech or food. I think the food scene in Austin is really incredible. So, I love this town. Um, it's definitely not L.A., and I don't miss the traffic <laughs> in L.A., um, but, you know, as I said, I've really grown to appreciate and love Austin. Well, one follow-up question there. Have you gone to buy boots and a hat yet? I have not. I have not. So that's the one thing that I have yet to do here as a, as a Texan now. So so you mentioned the startup scene. What What is the startup scene like in Texas? So it's, you know, there's a lot of um, you know, your big tech firms that are, are out here. Um, but there's truly, you know, when you look at the, you know, venture capital support structure, um, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's all the way mature. I'd definitely say it's, it's a growing base. Um, but there's a ton of different consumer facing technology concepts here. Um, there's a ton of, uh, veterinarian, um, uh, technology companies, consolidation companies going on in this in this town, um, and it's just a range of of different uh, verticals that have burgeoning uh, you know concepts coming to market in this town. I don't know what it is in the water, but it's definitely got something going on here. What advice would you have for people that are thinking about different areas that they might want to move to to build a career in tech? You know, I would say. Pick markets where, um, you know, you're you're not the um, uh, the the smartest person in the room, so to speak. I would go places where, you know, you've got a vibrant 
um, base and community of people who are trying to do really cool things and impact the world in, in various ways. Um, at least that's for me is the most important thing. And then in that context, good things tend to happen. Um, and so I think, you know, what I would look for is, you know, where are their mission driven companies, um, as a base, um, and where is there a community and a, an a environment that supports, um, and cultivates, um, you know, good, good business, but also, um, just good output in terms of what is the mission? Um, and I think that's Austin is one of those places. Yeah. Well, well, bringing this back to snap kitchen, do you tend to hire locally within Austin or do you tend to recruit outside the Austin area and then bring people to Austin? I, you know, we've done very well recruiting right here in Austin um, because there's, you know, people are moving here by the droves. Um, and, and then there's also just an installed base of good talent here. Um, so I can't think of anybody that I've had to recruit outside of the Austin market. Short of going into new geographies? Right, exactly. Exactly. So Our headquarters here is, is pretty much all Austinites. Um, and then obviously as we, as we look into new markets, um, we, we hire there locally. So spending the rest of our time looking forward, what should people expect? Should they expect more geographic expansion, more products? What, what should we expect from Snap Kitchen in the future? Yes, I think it's a combination of, of geographic expansion. Uh, we're, we are, and this year we're starting to focus on uh, national distribution. So uh, that's a big focus for us. Um, and how do we do that both with bricks and sticks, but also uh, through our web and app um, platform? Um, the other thing you should look out for us from us is definitely more products, menu innovation, continuing to push the boundaries on, you know, making great tasting food um, that is also healthy for you. Um, and then partnerships, thinking about ways that we can work with, um, you know, grocers or lifestyle concepts um, that have aligned values with us that makes for a win-win on both sides. So I, I know for people that go to Subway a lot, they have these cards that they get and they used to look like a big sub, and then you would clip holes in it, and then when you got eight punches in it, you get a free sub. Is there an equivalent with Snap Kitchen? We have a uh, loyalty program. There's no card associated with it. It all works through our app or, or web. Um, and uh, essentially 90% of our transactions are someone that is uh, a, mem a member of that loyalty program. Um, so it essentially gives you back rewards or what we call snap funds um, for every dollar that you purchase with us. Uh, and then those that can be redeemed for purchases of anything that uh, snap offers. And, and looking at the business side of building this out, I'm guessing that it's pretty important to you to have repeat customers over time. That is actually the entire game. Our, and it, that's really the focus for us. We want to have, weekly relationships with our customers. Um, we truly see ourselves as a lifestyle solution. Um, whereas, you know, our, our background, um, our founding was about a grab and go concept for us as we evolve, it really is about that weekly relationship. How can we solve, you know, various points of friction in your nutrition needs week to week. 
And that could be about simply giving you your time back. That can be about you hitting some sort of health goal, or that could just be about you wanting to maintain balance. Well, and also for um, people that are thinking about consumer businesses in general, having that ongoing relationship is important because it increases the lifetime value of a customer. And it means Absolutely. you can end up spending more on customer acquisition when you know that that person's going to be a happy, loyal customer over a period of time. That's precisely right. That's precisely right. So when we think about, again, our vectors of what I call customer experience, um, the menu, the store, the app experience, how we use content, uh, and the products themselves, everything we think through the lens of how do we uh, improve our relationship with our customers? How do we deepen our relationship with our customers? Uh, and that really is strategically how we think about our business. Are, are there things that you've said no to because you feel like it would, although it might increase the profitability or revenue in the short term, it would hurt that customer experience or it would hurt the likelihood that people would come back again? Absolutely. Um, we do that every day. Um, we, we sort of look at whether it's, you know, menu items that we want to pursue or menu form factors, you know, like, uh, for example, you know, family meals is an obvious um, extension of what we do. And it's not always never. It's just simply when is it the right thing for us to focus on. Um, and so we have to look at it through the lens of our current customer base today tends to be someone who's um, single, cohabitating, doesn't have kids, busy professional. So what products are appropriate for that person um, and that profile? And so Family Mills isn't, it seems like a reasonable concept for us from a production capacity point of view. It's easy to make, basically putting more of our food into a bigger container, but that's not the right form factor right now. Um, or looking at, you know, whether we go sell our food, which we did a test of through Starbucks uh, a couple of years back. Um, it makes sense to get exposure of the brand, but it really isn't in service of who our customer is today. Um, and so those are the types of things, while tough decisions sometimes, are the decisions we make in service of our customer. Well, it sounds like a really exciting business, and you must be pretty thrilled with your move to Austin. Yes, absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And, and where can listeners go to learn more about, about you and also about Snap Kitchen? Uh, snapkitchen.com uh, is, is where you can go to find out more about the brand. Uh, as far as me, I'm on LinkedIn, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Great. Well, John, thanks again. Thank you. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.